You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 248, Bad Brains, hosted by Dan Terry. I was like, oh God, hope we didn't hear that. <laughs> you heard that? <laughs> and Joseph Wren. It's going to be weird for a while. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you think bad brains are the reason the zombies are so hungry, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. Yeah, I mean, you got to check the expiration date on those brains because you know, they, they go kind of bad after a while. Is that is that the only brains joke that we're going to make tonight? It's definitely not the only brains joke we're going to make. Somebody had to be the brains of the operation to put together hardcore punk and reggae. But isn't that the most punk thing you could possibly do? I'm not entirely sure. I thought the most punk thing you could possibly do is record like an entire album and then just destroy it. So so the, so that nobody ever heard it and then your band has to break up before anybody accuses you of selling out. If you accept a single penny for music that you recorded straight to cassette, it's not punk rock. That's what I'm that that's what I'm saying. That's my that's my statement. I'll die on that hill. Did you listen to Bad Brains before this week, Dan? I'm going to be honest with you guys. Uh, I did not really listen to much Bad Brains before we decided to do this episode. And uh, that might upset some people. But uh, if you're ever, you know, listening to this show and you're like, wow, this guy just doesn't get it. That's probably why. I mean, some of the bands, some of these bands I've been listening to for years. And then there's some that people are like, dude, how come you haven't been listening to Bad Brains? And I'm like, it's actually a really good point probably should go listen to some bad brains and i did and um i don't want to say that i loved all of it but i i really enjoyed a lot of it uh much more than i thought that i was going to enjoy it see here's the thing i'm not that into 80s like hardcore (laughs) and so and it's not that i'm not into it like i i appreciate its its historical significance uh it's just a little bit before my time And so I I sometimes have a little bit of trouble appreciating it like I would like more modern hardcore. I'm very familiar with the self-titled Bad Brains, Eye Against Eye, and the most recent Into the Future. So the beginning and the end. (laughs) I admit there was a time many years ago where I thought somebody was fucking with me and gave me a mixtape of Bad Brains songs mixed with I Want to Be Bob Marley. Turns out that's Bad Brains early on in the career. There's a few points along the way where they basically become Foo Fighters. And I know that's going to offend some people, but it's kind of true, guys. Yeah, I mean, that that could be upsetting uh, to some people, I would imagine. Um, I, I don't I didn't really get a Foo Fighters vibe. Uh, more of I know that I know that Dave Grohl's a big Bad Brains fan. So, I mean, I think that's kind of speaks for itself. Uh, but I don't think I don't think that this band ever put out anything that I would consider to be super smooth uh, or necessarily radio friendly. Although they did actually get some MTV airplay for a while there, and I feel like I feel like this band was always going to like break through and be this like massive success. And don't get me wrong, they are. There's way more people that listen to Bad Brains, I think, than uh, that I'm probably aware of. I know they're, they're a massive band and everybody pulls them out when they're talking about bands that influence them. So, I mean, it is a very historically important band, but I almost feel like it's one of those things where they could have been much bigger than they were. And I think a lot of that has to do with um, just the lifestyles and personalities at play. You've got, you've got these big personalities. You've got a very, very, very passionate, in-your-face kind of front man and um, he, he kind of gets into trouble uh, along the way. Well, before Dan tells us how much trouble we're in, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything discography discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. And if you leave us a five-star review here on Discography Discussion, actually don't. Don't leave it here. Leave it wherever you're listening to it. 
from like your podcast app or uh, Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Podcast Addict. I got to give a shout out to Podcast Addict where there were reviews that I had never even read before. And thankfully, we did find those and read those on the show previously. But uh, yeah, that's a new one that I'm checking. So yeah, Podcast Addict. Thank you to everybody that's subscribed on there. I, I love that little app. No, I'm not being paid by Podcast Addict. We got a couple of comments. Uh, there's actually a brand new comment as of the recording of this episode. We just uh, would have posted the on test or episode and uh, already got a comment on that one. Uh, and it comes from Brian Lee Hetched. He says, love this band. Was lucky to see them in Extol play the same day at the Creepy Crawl in downtown St. Louis, which uh, prompted me to uh, ask a bunch of follow up questions like, why was I not notified? Or uh, how did I miss something like that to have a band like that playing in like literally a few miles from my house? Somebody's fired. You didn't get the memo. Yeah, we're going to have to fire our interns. They had, they should have gone back in time and helped me have experiences that I should have had. Uh, he also went on to say, I'm not sure what year it was, but they were both playing Cornerstone that year and decided to play a show in St. Louis. I think it was shortly after Return of the Black Death came out. So that would have been like 99 or 2000. Both bands kicked ass live. There was probably 50 people in the audience. I mean, that's that's more than you can expect for those two bands in St. Louis that year. I can guarantee at least uh, at least three of us would be there if that if that lineup came back to St. Louis. Absolutely. Over on Twitter, we got a comment about the new Every Time I Die album that we haven't actually talked about yet. Uh, but uh, Evan Merkel said, "Yo, what do you guys think of the new album?" In response, actually, you know what? This wasn't on Twitter. This was on YouTube. That's a, my bad. <laughs> it was in response to our episode 150, Every Time I Die, with John Beatty and Brandon Kellum of American Standards. And uh, I guess after listening to that episode, it's like, yo, this obviously came out before the new album came out. So now I want to hear about the new album. And you can. We will talk about it on our Patreon here coming up soon. And uh, $1 a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed where every single week, we drop a individual album review for a new release. It's kind of a good way for us to talk about albums that have come out since we did an episode on the bands. So, Dan, tell me about Bad Brains. Well, Bad Brains is an American rock band. They are from Washington, D.C. They have been around since 1977, so they've been around as long as Star Wars. And um, they are pretty much regarded as pioneers of hardcore punk. And uh, they don't really like being called a punk band, uh, but they, they they are. I mean, just just listen to it. It's 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 like hardcore punk it, it, from from the eighties. It's <laughs> it's very intense. It's in your face, and uh, I love that stuff. But uh, they're also unique in the sense that they actually have a lot of like reggae influence in their music. And as time goes on, they kind of start experimenting with like funk, metal, hip hop, and even soul music. So. There's a lot with Bad Brains that you may not necessarily know if you've only heard a few songs. The vibe is so laid back at times. When you start listening to this band, you think you know what's coming. Then they lay back. The creativity just comes out in whatever form it needs to. I get the impression this band does whatever they want or at least whatever they think is a good idea. And that's supposed to be enough to go on the record. That's cool. That reminds me of the very earliest days trying to write my own music, much of it with Dan. Sometimes the stuff just doesn't go together, but you try to make it go together in a way that makes sense because that's what you have to bring to the table, to bring to the show to make that 15-minute set blow up into a 60-minute set. Bad Brains, they find a way to make it make sense, or they don't care that it doesn't make sense. Either way, that's punk rock. Yeah, I don't think that they care whether it makes sense or not. You know, it's interesting when you're blending styles like this. They don't really blend the styles so much on, you know, on their earlier material. It's more like, here's three hardcore punk songs, and then here's a reggae song. You know, and um, and it's cool to hear that because it, it it totally changes up the vibe. 
And I kind of enjoy that. I don't know if it's just because I'm like old and I appreciate a break sometimes. That's not true. I listen to how many Napalm Death albums in a row. <laughs> but I do, though, appreciate the um, the willingness to not be stuck in one genre. Because I think there's a lot of bands out there, especially that have this sound, that probably all sounded the same. And so Bad Brain's like, okay, we play we play this kind of music enough to hang well, you know, with these other bands, but uh, we're going to, we're going to throw in our own stuff too, to make what we're doing stand out to people. And I think that they did a very good job of that. I'm getting really excited, dude. It's 1982 years before either of us were born and bad brains. It's here. It's got that hardcore three chord punk thing from the late seventies. You know, the three chord punk thing, punk, right? And yeah, I mean, it's punk. The energy just takes over, and what are you expecting? I'm expecting a band that is in front of the mic, barking, being as loud as possible, and for the most part, that's exactly what you get. This record sounds like it was recorded on a four-track cassette and never remastered, never given any additional attention and there is an underground music fan sitting here at this microphone who is really happy that this sounds as good as it does while also sounding as shitty as it does. You can hear every chord. You can hear every beat. And when the dude barks at the mic and it just can't take it, you do not care. Yeah, I think that it's interesting how good it actually sounds for what it is. I mean, it definitely sounds like it was recorded to tape the cd version sounds like it was just ripped from a tape to a cd and i'm okay with it you know it, I, my expectations are a little bit different when i'm talking about this type of hardcore because it's more all about the energy and the speed we're not at the point where bands are starting to necessarily incorporate heavy metal riffs don't worry they will uh, <laughs> but at this particular at this particular juncture the biggest the biggest attraction for me is number one the speed and the energy uh, and two, the reggae songs, which I think just totally stand out like a sore thumb in a good way. So I guess like a just a, a, an obvious thumb, not necessarily a sore one. But uh, I definitely would be sore if I was at this show because this this type of this type of energy is, I think, sometimes a little bit lost in more modern uh, hardcore and punk music, uh, where you know everything's just trying to be super extreme. I think that they were trying to be extreme for 1983. Uh, but part of that extremity was like, how can we switch this up in a way that people, um, that people are going to find interesting and something that's going to set us apart. And the other thing I noticed too, is that for a hardcore punk band from this year, this time period, they actually have a musical proficiency that I really don't hear from other bands of this era. Uh, a lot of the a lot of these earlier like hardcore punk bands were more about playing as fast as they can and whoever gets to the end of the song first wins. Uh, whereas Bad Brains already even on this first record has a technical proficiency to their music that you don't really see with this genre. Or your band wanted to be the Clash and write really poppy songs masquerading as punk rock. Don't get me wrong, I love the Clash. But I really love Bad Brains when they are playing punk rock as good as your favorite punk rock band. And your favorite punk rock band was probably influenced by this record. Do you think the reggae songs were an intentional, drastic change of pace? Like they were trying to control the energy of the record or the energy of the show? Yeah, we're going to go insane for 20 minutes, but then we're going to stop and make you slow down and listen to what we have to say. Yeah, I mean, I think that part of that comes from the fact that like when they first got together to form a band, they were basically a jazz fusion band, which kind of explains, or at least explains to me why musically they're kind of above par as far as other punk bands go. Whereas there's a lot of ba punk bands out there that can only play that kind of music. Whereas with Bad Brains, they they kind of made an intentional choice of like, we're going to do this like fast energetic thing. But uh, as, as time goes on, they're going to expand that musical palette even more. 
and uh, I love it. I love the I love the vocals probably the most. Um, HR just is out of control <laughs> to to a degree. You know, it, yeah, it's not like the modern like screaming vocal that you would normally associate with hardcore or hardcore punk, but he's just got this weird like the way he the way he just kind of screams through the songs. Uh, it's unpredictable and it kind of just shifts all over the place. And I love that. But I also like how he's able to just kind of calm it down for the uh, for the reggae songs. Like, like it's just such a seamless transition. Are you ready to rock for light? I am. What's interesting about this album is that, like, it, in my opinion, it doesn't really sound really any better than the self-titled. Uh, it actually has quite a few songs from the self-titled re-released. <laughs> so I don't know if they, like, re-recorded those songs as, like, a... You know, a way of it, like I, I don't know. That's just kind of something bands did back then, where it's like you take all your best songs and you throw it on the CD. And if some of those best songs were on your old record, then you know, so be it. Um, I, I don't think that this sounds nearly as good as the first album, uh, but I still enjoy it because of the vast amount of material it is. I mean, you get you get roughly oh goodness, uh, like twenty something songs on this. Unless I'm listening to like some re-release or something, but yeah. Okay, so the reissue, so the reissue CD that I have has 20 songs. The original only had 16, but there were a lot of songs reused, which I thought was really interesting. And um, but you're basically getting, for lack of a better way to put it, on this album, you're getting more of the same. By the way, have you listened to Splinter Shards lately, Dan? I have. <laughs> Sometimes a band who doesn't have a lot of money, who can't press a lot of records, has to go in the studio and create something new. And sometimes the best version of yourself is the new stuff mixed with the old stuff. So I think in 1983, it was just the logical choice. We have a 40-minute LP that we need to pad out a little bit to make it worth our while, to make it worth the time spending in the studio recording. And the band just brought the best that they had. I think the newer versions of the old songs, I say old, less than a year ago at the time this was released, but I think a new fan who didn't have access to Bad Brains would be just as satisfied with this record. Cosmetically, it does not sound as good as the first one, but the energy is still there. It has that cassette tape vibe. Everything's in the middle. The drums are panned out with a little bit of reverb. And the band just doesn't fucking care. They're bringing the energy. They're bringing the intensity. Everything that you think of when you're thinking of Bad Brains. So what else could you possibly want? I think this is a logical starting point for most people. It's just more underground to say that you were there at the start. You've got bad brains, and that's the best it could possibly be, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's funny. This is this was actually after this album came out was one of their first sort of breakups. Like this was kind of like the only um, the only album for them for uh, a couple of years, and then um, they eventually ended up getting back together. Um, in like 86, I believe it was. And I just think it's interesting how like there's a possibility that all the stuff that this band would go on to do may not have ever happened. Like they could have just all gone their separate ways and that they would have had those two albums out, which I know those are classic albums to some people, but in my opinion, uh, I do feel like maybe, maybe they wouldn't have had quite the impact uh, that they would later on whenever they actually have a budget <laughs> and they are actually, um, you know, trying to push themselves a little bit more creatively. It's not to say that they didn't push themselves by adding reggae to punk music. It's interesting how different it gets as quickly as it does. 1986. I against I. All the time it was I, dude. <laughs> It was, I thought it was me. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, so this album is, is really where I started paying a lot more attention. Um, everything's just a little bit crustier. It's a little crunchier. And, um, you know, it, the vocals are more aggressive. 
I, I especially like on this album how it'll just go from like yelling to this like almost falsetto scream <laughs> that he does. Uh, and I don't know, like this album, it's short, it's fast, it's in your face, but there's like so much going on with it. Um, to the point where like the reggae stuff is starting to sound a little bit more like ska in places. And I'm not talking like ska, you know, like with people on stage with horns and, you know, like, like all that stuff. I'm talking about like the reggae influenced kind of ska. I mean, like something like Sublime, I guess, is like my reference point for it. <laughs> where do you think Sublime got it from? Right, right. Uh, but this record has a lot of a lot more influences to it than what you would think like there there's a little bit more like you still have your hardcore punk but then there's like some funk thrown in there there's some alternative music in there um a little bit of metal too just a, just a little bit like i hear i actually hear more metal influence on songs like secret 77 uh necessarily than uh, than in in the faster songs it's almost like their aggression is still so tied to hardcore when the metal riffs come in, I mean, you get a little bit of a metal gallop on let me help, but, uh, the lines are all blurred on this one. And I love it because it goes so all over the place that like, if I was young and listening to this album, it would be harder to predict what kind of band that I would form <laughs> after hearing this. I went through multiple reactions, listening to this record, everything from really sloppy eighties metal to, that sound that would inevitably become Faith No More or Clawbringer, that epic rock sound. Then they go back to punk because it's Bad Brains. Fuck you. Then the reggae. It's always there. It's always present. It sneaks in when it needs to and it leaves when it's time. So the band is taking you through a roller coaster of emotion. You're not listening to a mixtape. You're listening to a mixed band. You're listening to a band that knows how to build and then release. And that's something you and I have talked about a lot when it comes to creating an effective record. In order for it to be fast, it has to be next to something slow. Otherwise, it's meaningless. Does that mean that everything Bad Brains does has some meaning? I mean, it does to somebody. I even mean, I guess that you, the same could be said for any band, but I think this is just them going crazy. Like, like to the point of being like, okay, we've got, we've got studio time booked. We're on a label. We're, we're doing, we're doing the thing. We're doing the damn thing. Also, it's worth noting that the song sacred love, if you ever thought that the vocals sounded kind of weird on that song, it's because HR literally recorded them, uh, over the phone from prison, uh, because he was currently incarcerated for marijuana distribution. I don't think that would be a surprise to anybody. And, uh, I, I think it's cool though. I, it actually sounds awesome because I don't know with it, with it actually being over the phone like that, it like, I don't know, adds, it coincides with the, with the theme of the song as if he's actually having a conversation with somebody over the phone and turns out, you know, he is just, that's all I'm trying to say. It's maybe not that interesting, but I found it very interesting. It adds to the atmosphere of that song. I almost wonder if he recorded the vocals and then they played the music around it. Because how hard would it be to pipe that mix through the phone and then he has to perform against it? Yeah, I would love to know how they did that. Because, I mean, it it syncs up incredibly well. I, I hadn't actually even thought about that. Like, how did they... Like, I know they did it, but, like, how did they do that? <laughs> <laughs> Just crimp the wires differently. It'll be fine. Absolutely. So with the diversity of this record... I guess the question is now people are expecting kind of, and I don't know if anybody's expecting this or not. This is just my own modern take on it, but I feel like people that are into bad brains at this point, they're expecting an experimental band or a band that's going to give them a product that other bands of the era are not going to give them. I'm sure they'd be really offended by me referring to their music as a product, but <laughs> let's be honest. That's what music has become. Um, this album is very interesting. Uh, but I think that the next one's even better. 1989 quickness. This is where the band starts sounding for me to be like something, something sellable. If that makes sense. Uh, maybe not 
sellable in the sense of like they're going to sell out like millions of albums. But uh, I really, really think that this is where they start taking a turn towards more like uh, mainstream rock. Um, it's not as fast. It's not as in your face, but it's still loud and dirty. And it's 1989. So like that's the kind of stuff that people are going to really be paying attention to if they're rock fans. Be like, this band is still edgy. You know, they're still they're still on the nose of of rebellious, <laughs> you know, rock and roll. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily know how the punks felt about this, but I think it still sounds like bad brains. This is that weird time at the end of the 80s where heavy metal was holding on best it could. Grunge was right around the corner and you had these groove influenced bands who were just trying to create a vibe. I think Faith No More gets a lot of credit for that sound, but this record, to me, is exactly what that sound is. Laid back a little bit. It's not fast for the sake of being fast. It's not quiet because it's slow. The band is playing with intensity, but they're not playing nicely. It's not like Bon Jovi is over here writing a nice musical song that everybody can sing to for the next 30 years. This sounds like a punk band who's trying to create dirty sounding riffs, mix it with some groove, and then give you something that is equally offensive to the mainstream, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I'm not sure if the hardcore punks dug this as much. But I actually found it like if I'd have heard this back in the even the early 90s, I would have thought that like, oh, this is some cutting edge. <laughs> you know, this is some cutting edge, really crazy stuff. And um, they incorporate they actually incorporate more into this record than maybe meets the eye. I mean, especially considering like one thing that we didn't really talk about was how the last album was more or less absent of reggae. Um, but this al this album, for whatever reason, ends up incorporating more styles in you've got funk hip-hop metal punk reggae um and the, of course i have to talk about the elephant in the room uh they did release a song on this album called don't blow bubbles which contained lyrics that were interpreted as homophobic uh, at the time almost implying in the lyrics that like basically like gay people got aids for like as a punishment from god um, that's hard. That That's a hard thing to kind of like pass up. But the only thing that I will say is that like it's 1989 years later, they've gone on and said, yeah, that was really dumb <laughs> to, to do that uh, or to say that. But it's just it's interesting. It's a, I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but it's notable that uh, that you'd have a band like this have have a song like that. It's interesting to me that the record is called Quickness. And it's kind of the opposite of that. This is more laid back, listen to the lyrics of the song, and less punk band playing as fast as possible. But it's not layered to shit with multiple guitar tracks and sounds. It still sounds like a cohesive band. And I think for the discography of Bad Brains, that's what you want to hear. You want to hear actual musicians creating the music so i'm glad it's 1989 it's seven years into the discography and we're still hearing the band it just sounds different because that's what the producers did at the time right yeah i mean they they, they turned i don't i don't know what producers do i always just use him as the bad guy for when i don't like an album but i like the band <laughs> uh, but no i think this is I, I think this is good and i think it's um in my opinion, it's their last really, really good album. As we go forward, things start getting a little, a little bit different. I wouldn't. I'm not going to say bad. I don't think any of these records are bad. Spoilers, but I do think that um, they, they go in a very interesting direction on the next one, and there's a reason for that. 1993, rise. So one of the biggest things is that you know they basically. I mean. What are we looking at here? Seven years between albums. 
and four by my count, but go ahead. Am I wrong? Yeah, I, mean, I can't count. It's four. 1989 to 1993. I don't know where I got seven from. Probably from my own broken brain, my own bad brain. But essentially, um, after uh, after the tour on Quickness, the Hudson brothers decided that they were out. And um, they basically had some session musicians come in. Um, and they ended up getting a guy for this album to sing who I'm going to say right off the, right off the top that I think he did a really good job, but his name is Israel Joseph the first. And, uh, what you get with rise is a much more hard rock focused bad brains album. I think the record is fine overall, but it's very clearly something different. This must be how the diehard Rage Against the Machine fans felt when they heard Chris Cornell was going to be the new lead singer of the band. It's going to be similar, but it's not going to be the same. And this sounds like I listen to Bad Brains and this is what my band is. And here we are. It's actually called Bad Brains. So what a weird time to be that guy that has to step up to HR's plate is a lot of people consider HR to be the focus. He's the singular entity that is the band to most people. And while I don't think that's accurate or even fair, I think in 1993, this has some of the same vibes and it's fine overall, but I know the diehard fans hated this one. I think so, too. I mean, I think this is their quote-unquote sellout album, <laughs> you know, even though it still does contain everything that you'd really want on a Bad Brains album. It's just like, it's more acceptable, <laughs> I guess, if if there's a, you know, if, if there's a word to put on it, that it's just more like, okay, like the average, the average rock fan would check this out and probably love it. And I don't even think that there's anything bad about it. I just think that, like, it's a different singer, which is super noticeable. I like that there's a little bit more of a... There's, a, like, a little bit more of a funk uh, to the songs, which is kind of consistent for 1993. <laughs> you know? Um, I mean, I think the reggae song, uh, Yeah, Jaw is cool. Like, again, they, they do all the Bad Brains things, but it's just missing that against the system sort of <laughs> mentality that we've gotten with the other albums. But yeah, it's not bad. It's just like it exists. I don't hate this one. I don't hate any of these records, but this one is definitely a turning point. And I think someone that listened to bad brains for 10 years might be upset. It's going to get better, but it's going to be weird for a while. 1995, God of Love. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, to your point, it's never going to not be at this level, though, as far as a, from a production standpoint. You know, so whenever we get into God of Love, we've got more or less the original... Uh, we, we've got the original Bad Brains back. HR's back on vocals. It's immediately noticeable, but then we've still got kind of, um, I don't know, the, like a little bit of the punk attitude is back, but you still got a very, very produced album in 1995. But I got to admit, I like hearing HR's voice on these like better sounding recordings. Uh, it really comes out well. I think this record is more aggressive. I think it's it's heavier if, if that's if we can use that term on this episode, um, <laughs> it's, it's heavier than what we had gotten before. Uh, but it's still more or less it's still following kind of the framework of the last record, even though you have different members. And uh, I don't know. I wish I wish I had more to say about this one. I think it's I think it's cool, but I think we're, we're kind of at the point now where instead of getting necessarily something new from Bad Brains, we're just going to be getting their sort of signature stamp and even though i say that the songs are more like you know are, are, are less aggressive or whatever i mean this, this band um went on tour with beastie boys and uh 
basically the band just like went to shit because HR got arrested a whole bunch of times while they were on the tour for getting in fights with people and things like that. So like that aspect of the band has not changed. If you skip Rise and only listen to this record, it feels good to hear the band represent the punk rock because that's what I'm expecting when I listen to Bad Brains. I want that punk rock influence. I want that feeling of it's a little bit too fast and that's okay. But then the laid back yelling vocals that HR does sometimes, those aren't here. It sounds like a band that has more vibe in their vocals than they do in the rest of the music. It sounds like they're playing fast on purpose. There are times where I just think Bad Brains is fucking with us. And I think that's on purpose. I think they want to push the expectations of this is what a Bad Brains song sounds like, but it's all still here. So for me, I like where it picks up. I'm okay with it. I'm not upset that Bad Brains has a new record in 1995 that doesn't sound exactly like the previous one but like you said it's got that funk it's got that 1989 groove vibe mixed with metal mixed with punk somebody out there this was all they wanted that year and i'm really glad they got it because i get to look back and listen to it and be happy that it exists as well Yeah, I mean it's a it's a good record, and if you're a if you're a a rock fan, you can't do much better than this as far as like I guess like integrity with your hard rock music, um, which is why I think that the next record is so weird, or I'm I'm, I'm kind of trying to wrap my head around why it was done the way that it was done. So I need to tell you a story, dude. Um, you remember I? I do. I, I remember I. How's I doing? I and I survived. Well, thank God. 2002. It's usually not in our nature to talk about a record like this. Not yet. But I mean, it is considered by most people to be the seventh full-length studio album by Bad Brains. Uh, it's a remix album. I don't. I don't really know how else to describe it. It's uh there's a lot going on uh, with this with this remaster, or not remaster, but uh, remix album. Uh, basically, it's just dub, reggae, and hardcore punk. And basically, what it is is it's a mostly instrumental album uh, that does have some new material, but they've also like mixed in a whole bunch of like old school Bad Brain songs. And um, it's just one of those weird records that, and I say it's weird, but like I've definitely just popped it on while I was doing stuff this week. And, uh, it's been a pretty enjoyable experience overall. Um, I think a lot more work went into this than I normally would give credit for, for a, for a remix sort of album. But I think the fact that there are new songs on it makes it count. But it is by far the most different sounding Bad Brains album I've ever heard. I consider this the gateway into talking about Frank Zappa, Captain Beefheart, and Miles Davis. So congratulations, future me. You got your way. This is one of those times where you just need to lay back and vibe, dude. And I think that's cool. It's a nice change. It's really the opposite of everything Bad Brains has done up until this point. And we've talked about the band pushing the expectations. Did anybody expect Bad Brains to do an instrumental remix record that just made you feel good to listen to? I don't think so. I'm really kind of glad they did because it exists. I think that's my only issue with it is that I have a hard time relaxing and vibing, as you put it, because I have no chill. And so, uh, you know, it's definitely helping me get a little bit more chill, but I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm fully there or not just, just yet. Another interesting thing about this record is that like the band basically like they broke up after that whole like tour with, uh, beastie boys and and all of that, or they didn't break up, but well, I I don't know. It's hard. It's, it's hard to track the band during this time period because I know for a while, um, 
they were basically under the name Soul Brains, <laughs> which is weird, but kind of on brand. And uh, so, like, it was it was quite a while between the release of this album and the release of their next one. Um, and I, I'll, I'll be completely honest, and I, I need comments and emails and stuff to explain to me what happened between these few years. Uh, because there's a little bit of a gap between if you don't count I and I survived in 2002, it's a considerable amount of time from God of Love uh, until we get to Build a Nation. 2007. What a disturbing, dirty, groovy, punk rock year it was for Bad Brains. Turn the volume up. It's 1983. This is all going to get mixed to cassette later on. Maybe not, but I can dream. It's more Bad Brains doing what Bad Brains does, which is whatever the fuck they want to do. This one was a lot of fun for me because they really did do the thing that everybody wants their favorite band to do, and that is to kind of go back to like, yo, bro, how come you guys aren't hardcore anymore? You guys want us to be hardcore? We'll We'll be hardcore. And they did. They, they pulled it off. They, they did the damn thing. They, they went back to their old style. Do I think that this is, do I think that this is as good as some of the old stuff? I think yes and no. I think no, you, you're never going to replicate the sound of a classic record from the early 80s. <laughs> like you're just not. Don't, don't, don't try to do that. Uh, but I think this is a really good quote unquote modern representation of what bad brains actually sounds like now that we have better recording technology to be able to really capture that. And, um, yeah, I really like this one. And again, it it is still like, you can, you can argue that it's just another bad brains album. Um, but whenever you say another bad brains album, you're like, yeah, I can't wait to go listen to this punk reggae, heavy metal, alternative rock ska record. You're welcome. It's quite the cocktail. (laughs) (laughs) Yet another record that I wish I was aware of at the time, because at that time, the music that was popular is not what I wanted to hear. Somebody should have told me that Bad Brains was putting out a new record, and I would have had the proper ammunition to combat whatever the hell Dan wanted everybody to listen to that week. It's been an interesting discography. It's the first time I've really gotten to take in all of Bad Brains, and I really enjoyed it. Even when it misstepped a little bit, it still sounds like Bad Brains. And then five years later, we get to go back, Dan. We're going back. Back where? Back into the future. (laughs) 2012. You owe me for that wonderful setup, sir. Yeah, I do. I do very much appreciate it. Um, This record is this record's a lot like the last one. But I think it sonically sounds better. They're not necessarily trying to sound like they sounded in the 80s, <laughs> you know, on this one. This one's got much more um, dynamic production, but it's just Bad Brains doing the thing that Bad Brains does. And it's refreshing to hear because nobody else really sounds like this band. I think even even if I say, like, oh, it's just another Bad Brains record, it it absolutely offers something unique that other bands don't offer. And, you know, I mean, I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but, like, I absolutely would say check this out because this is um, this is one of those bands that helps explain other bands that are out now. You know, we talked about way back in the P.O.D. episode, like, who thought that it was a good idea to mix reggae with hardcore music? Very simple answer, Bad Brains. I think we even mentioned that on the episode, you know. Um, like who thought that this was cool or who, who came up with this idea, this novel idea. And, um, it, it's worked out beautifully. And, you know, I'm not trying to say that the band only mixed punk and hardcore with reggae. The, obviously there's a lot more going on here. And, uh, the band, even on this record still shows that trademark creativity that they've had on the rest of their discography. So now that we've talked about bad brains, can we talk about infectious grooves? No, I'm tired of this. I just want to listen to grind. I just want to listen to grindcore bands. Come on, man. I love how in 2012, Bad Brains still sounds like Bad Brains, cosmetically, creatively, 
it sounds like the same band just getting together writing more songs there are diehard fans out there who may not be very happy with rise but they're definitely happy with into the future the band is still doing exactly what you want they're not writing clean music it's not always pretty to listen to it's dissonant at times it is fast when it needs to be and it lays back when it needs to there is nothing normal about a good bad brains song and there's really nothing normal about a good bad brains record but normal is like you said the bands that rip this off and borrow from it and morph it into something more mainstream but this is the band that started it all for most people this is the band i think we can point to like we point to with black sabbath with motorhead judas priest metallica bands that lead to other bands how many good bands are taking from bad brains i would say most of them right i mean i'm not just trying to suck up here but like yeah i mean it goes so deep and to see a band do as well as they did despite having some you know kind of problems uh, (laughs) along the way uh i think you know I think it's inspirational for people that want to try something new and maybe they're afraid to do it. And then you've got bad brains that's just kind of flying this flag of like, dude, just do whatever you want. Trust me. It'll be fine. Final thoughts on bad brains. Dan. Bad brains was very surprising. I'm not going to lie. Like I've heard people talk about bad brains, like ad nauseum about how great they are and how I need to check it out and how I need to get it. And it's, you know, this and it's that. And I wasn't 100% sure because I wasn't, like, completely familiar. And now that I've become familiar with it, at the very least, the records themselves, um, I definitely was pleasantly surprised with the amount of experimentation that this band was willing to do to the point where it didn't even sound like experimentation anymore. It just, this is them. And uh, and so yeah, I, I'd say check out Bad Brains, especially if you think they're one way. They're they're actually not. They're they're gonna surprise you. I love how not normal Bad Brains is, without being grindcore, because if what you're expecting is a normal punk rock band, you'll get one maybe two of those songs, and then it's a free for all. Bad Brains mixes together music and intensity and feeling in a way that a lot of bands borrow from and almost everybody gives them credit for. But the band really doesn't sound normal. And I think that's an interesting listen because when you say a band doesn't sound mainstream, I'm usually expecting everything that goes along with underground tropes. Bad Brains, that's not necessarily the case. A lot of what you've heard, you've heard done a thousand times by your favorite punk band, your favorite metal band. I don't think there's a huge gap between Bad Brains and The Offspring, but the gap is definitely there. And the pieces were there to borrow from to create something different. And I think that's what this band does well. They pull from what they want and create something different, something interesting. And you really do have to give it some time and get it. Because once you get it, it does start to sound normal. Go listen to Bad Brains. Damn, what's your album of the week? Well, that would have to be the uh, earlier mentioned Radical by Every Time I Die. Let me tell you, it's good stuff. Tell me if you can spot the Zayo reference. There is no way we could talk about Bad Brains without me telling you to go listen to Bad Brains. Because the self-titled Bad Brains, for me, is what this band was and clearly shows what they will become. And I think it's the best album if you want to get what everyone else is talking about. It's also one of the best punk records of all time. So you're welcome. Thank you. Shout out to Lance Algood, who told us to do this episode. It's happening. You're we welcome. literally had no choice. He's standing over us right now with a machete like, we're just going to talk about bad brains or we're going to see your brains. <laughs> Careful now, those zombies are starving. Take us out, DFT. 
If you've been enjoying this podcast and you'd like to reach out to us, there's a variety of different ways you can do that. You can send us an email at show at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash discography discussion. You can follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal and also on Instagram at Discuss Metal. We have something of a common theme running there. You can also join us on our Discord server. There'll be a link in the show notes that'll take you to our Discord server where we're there pretty frequently. There's a lot of memes. There's a lot of now playings. So make sure you guys are in on that. If you would like to support us on Patreon, you can follow us at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. And uh, we have a lot of different tiers of support that you can give. Don't feel obligated to give, but if you want to, there's some cool things that we offer, such as monthly hangouts with... Well, with me and Joe, and sometimes Jeff, and sometimes John, you never know <laughs> who you're going to get to hang out with, but you're at least going to get to hang out with me and Joe once a month. You also get access to our individual album reviews, and uh, we've even been doing some bonus episodes of bands that maybe don't quite have enough albums uh, to be able to do a full episode on. So make sure you guys are checking that out. As always, thank you for listening. And on that note, this has been episode 248 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things Discography Discussion. And please send questions and comments to Dan and Joe Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. Hey, Joe, can I have some money? $1 a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed. 